Hello, lovelies. Welcome to the Fat Joy Podcast, where we talk each week about how to flourish in an anti-fat world. I'm Sophia, a fat person and professional coach who loves talking to other fat people about what it's like to live within oppressive systems that marginalize our bodies and how we still dare to have the audacity and courage to reach towards our collective liberation and embrace our joy. Please know this is an adult content podcast, so there will be swears. We will be talking about harms we've experienced, and we will be rebelling against diet culture, anti-fatness, ableism, racism, etc. If you'd like to support the Fat Joy podcast and get bonus content as a thank you, please check us out at patreon.com slash fatjoy. I am so glad you're here with us. Enjoy. Hello, lovelies, and welcome back to the Fat Joy Podcast. I am joined today by Angela Braxton Johnson. Hi, Angela. Hi. I am very excited to talk to you. (laughs) I'm so excited to be here and to talk to you just being in this space together. Yeah, agreed, agreed. (laughs) we've actually been it's fun we've been chatting for about 15 20 minutes and we're like oh we should hit play we should save that for the podcast (laughs) (laughs) that's a sign of a good conversation about to happen the free gyms (laughs) yeah Um, so Angela why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself I am Angela Braxton Johnson as you said um I'm a creative artist I um I am also a professional coach so I've been coaching for years. I've coached um, child care providers for a number of years, but also just as a life, I'm also a life coach and a body trust provider. So um, I really enjoy that work. I am now working full time um, with an, a nonprofit that I actually love. It's my favorite nonprofit uh, because of their mission to work with um, under the underserved population, uh, pretty much black, indigenous, people of color, um, women uh, included with that. And um, and I worked with them back in 2005 when they first started. And then in 2017 and 18, they came, the, who, the founder and executive director came knocking on my door and she's like, I got this project. It's for basically coaching childcare providers. And I, I came and did that. And then I um, ended up working on this. Um, it was an access to capital for African-American entrepreneurs. I ended up doing the pilot of that program. And, um, and then I went back and, you know, just contracting. And I went back to doing my own thing. In between, after that I, is when I started Abundant Fatness. Poetically started... Uh, poetically inspiring change I started back in 2011 but poetry is just in my bones like poetry goes back to my earliest memory so the poetry it's always been part of the fabric of who I am anybody who knows me they'll be like oh yeah yeah she's a poetess or she's a poet or she writes poetry so um so yeah now I am in a space I'm a I'm a wife of 36 years I'm a, make sure I silence any other sounds in here. I'm a, I'm a mom. I'm a grandma. Uh, I get to enjoy uh, just this yummy season. Yummy, not without challenges, but, you know, just this yummy season of um, just being able to do a lot of what Angela enjoys, you know. What a gift. Yeah. To be able to 
to turn the focus back to you after it sounds like a, a lot of outward focus and supporting others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Angela, my second question on the podcast is always about asking the guest, what is your relationship with journey with the word fat? Mm, the word fat. Um, so this will go back. This will go back in time. So originally I'm from the East Coast. And um, when I was about... Okay, I can't, I'm going to say probably between two and three. I remember being really young and, um, and being told I was like fat or, oh, she's so cute, but she fat. She's so, it was like, they'd say cute, but then fat would like cancel out the cute. Like, you know, I just remember, I can't pinpoint the, the exact age. But I can say my earliest memory is that fat was a bad word. Fat was not something that anybody should be. Um, and if you were fat, um, I'm saying the figure, figurative you, then there's, you should be doing something to change it. And even if you remain fat, as long as you were actively trying not to be fat, then you would be, there's more acceptance there. The good fat trope. The good fat, yeah. The good fat or the good fatty. It's like, yeah, this this person, she's fat, yeah, but she's working out or she's doing this or she's, you know, like that That would be acceptable. But just to be fat was not okay. Um, I, I can remember being um, bullied and I'm reaching over here because my bookshelf is right next to me. And I, I wrote this... Um, my first book that I published is called Who's Watching Me? And um, what ha what ended up happening is my mother and my father separated. My mother was from Mississippi and did not want to go back to the Jim Crow South, where it was very racist. And so we were living in Virginia, D.C. area, Alexandria, Virginia, which was, you know, that's up north. So people had migrated north where black people were treated better. So when she and my dad separated, she didn't want to go back to um, an environment where, you know, she's prone to see somebody lynch going down the street. Or I mean, it's like, it was like racist, racist. Um, and I heard a statistic uh, recently that more people have been lynched in Mississippi than any other state. Well, that's where mama was from. So when she left Virginia, she had one relative that lived in Oregon and that was her closest brother. Um, and well, actually she had two brothers, but I don't think she knew, learned of the second one until later, but the brother that she was closest to, um, she moved here for that, you know, to be, to get away from Virginia, but also to not go back to Mississippi for her. So this was her fresh start where I live now, the Pacific Northwest. This was her fresh start space. But in, it was also very, it was culture shock. It's Oregon. So I don't know how much you know about Oregon, but Oregon is a very white state. It was illegal to be a, a, a citizen in Oregon as a black person until uh, the late 1940s. So it's not even that far back. Like it's, it was illegal to be um, a resident 
So, um, so there was a lot of culture shock here, but there's also way I didn't have family. So I went from being like the cute fat in the family to being the fat kid in, um, as a preschooler, um, and to being bullied for being fat. So I was, you know, like the contrast was being with my grandmother. She called me moon face. You know, it would, it would, it would be like, you have a round face, but it's like, it's a compliment, you know, like the moon is everything, you know, the sun and the moon. Uh, I didn't, I never felt like any kind of badness or ridicule from moon face. Like it was like my beauty, you know, I'm the oldest grandchild of, of all of my cousins. Um, my grandmother spoiled me, uh, in a good, in the best way. Like she just loved on me. She loved on all of us. Um, so yeah, being bullied in, in school, fat was always one of, I think, I think because I was fat, that was one of the reasons that I was picked out and picked on. Um, yeah. And because of what, um, the abuse that I experienced when when we moved here, my mother began to work and she got a babysitter. Um, I was actually abused by the babysitter's child. And, and, but we didn't have family, you know, we didn't have, a, we had, I had my uncle and my aunt. Um, but, you know, it wasn't like being back home where I have all these aunts and, and, um, eventually I had more, well, I had cousins also because my mother's side of the family, um, was also in 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 Virginia, so I had cousins there, um, maternal cousins, adult and my age. So it, it I missed that growing up around family, you know, where you have just this rich uh, family. I didn't, I did, I had that in the, in the summers. So in the summers, what would happen? And at, when I was four, going on five my father started flying me back, back east. So I'd spend summers with my father and my grandmother and my aunts. And, you know, and as I grew older, I had more cousins, paternal cousins. Um, and then, you know, my cousins on, on my mom's side too. So I got the experience of being with my family as I grew, as you know, as I got to be a little bit older. And even then, I remember... Um, there were times where I would be, it was always the kids that di that didn't know me or, you know, kids can be really cruel, but my fatness was always a point of, um, was always the thing that I got picked on about or, or bullied about or laughed at about, or, you know, jokes made, you know, all that stuff. So, that started really, really young for me. Never from my mom, though. Like my mom, I never, my, when I look at how that was for me, my mom was a very uh, curvaceous one. I mean, she was just beautiful, very shapely. Uh, my sister says I have mama's shape. I don't know. Um, I think I do. But she was, she never, she just had this confidence about her. Like she didn't, she wasn't like, oh, I'm too fat. I'm too, you know, I got to go on a diet. Like that was not her, 
that was not her thing. So I actually learned that from um, other family, like when I being with my family, uh, when I'd spend time in the summer. Um, yeah, yeah, I had, I had, you know, family members that would be talking about dieting or losing weight or all these things. And I'm saying um, with quotation marks, because that's not how I live. It's not how I believe um, bodies need to be. Um, but that, but I, but I did learn that behavior as I got older that, oh, not only is fat not okay, but you need to be doing something about it. And as you kind of moved through the years, when did it start to shift for you? When did fat start away from fat being a bad thing or a negative thing? Oh, I mean, that did not happen until, um, I'd say maybe my late 40s. Um, in my late 40s, I began to say, okay, this is, this is what my body, this is how my body is. And I, re- and I, I began to, I guess, reclaim the word fat. So I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm fat. And, and a lot of times though, the way I would use it, it was a, it was like a, early early stages of 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 a reclamation of of the word fat but i would also joke about it you know and as i hear a lot of folks in bigger bodies do and um they joke about their fatness oh yeah i'm gonna do this or you know and and then they they say something and the joke's on them i do that sometimes um and sometimes i would do it not even in a demeaning way but i'd be like well you know, I'm fat, so I need more space. So make sure and people are like, oh, girl, you're so crazy. No, no, seriously, I need more space, you know. Um, but they always took it as a joke, even when I wasn't joking. Um, you're not really fat. You're not really, you know, it's, it was, it was, it was, so that kind of started happening. It was like a thing that was, um, and I may have probably did that even in my earlier years. Um, trying not to be fat. I'll I'll tell you what happened. Most of my childhood, I was I was fat. My earliest picture that I have of myself, I, I mean, I think I maybe was about two ish, and my grandmother's in the background, and I'm standing like in you know between the dining area and the kitchen, and and my little pot belly is sticking out from my shirt, and you know. And that was, I I don't have any baby pictures, but that's, that's the earliest picture of myself. So I was like, I've always had more on my body than some people that may be in smaller bodies or thin bodies, or that's just how my body's always been. I believe, I believe in size diversity and we can talk about that later too. But I, I do remember when I was 16, um, the summer where I was 16, going on 17, um, one of my aunts that I'm really close to um, was really in this, like, huge into dieting. She's not anymore, but she was then. And, and you know, I idolized my, my aunts, you know. And I, I, and, and I just saw her doing all these things 
to not be fat and to be, and she had lost a lot of weight. She ended up losing weight. I don't know how much it was, but it was enough that, um, you know, things changed for her. So she, to, to, I think to maintain that, I don't know her whole story. I don't even think I've ever really asked her her whole story. Um, maybe she'll be one of my first guests when I do a podcast, but I just, but I do remember all that she was doing to not be fat. And so that year I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be fat anymore. And, um, and I was, I was jogging. I was already, I was always active. Even as a little kid, I'd run, I'd do racing, you know, how kids would like in the, in the city streets, sometimes the, the, the side streets, not the main streets, of course, but we would like set up and, and, do a race like right in the middle of the street and and i do races and sometimes i would win the races um even in my fatness i could you know i could i could get up there um and i'm in my sophomore year of high school i remember one uh, starting to um i played tennis gosh going back to eighth grade i was on the eighth grade basketball team and volleyball team i'm just thinking about i was always active Younger than that, I was riding my bike. I was in roller skates. So I was always like moving and, and, and enjoying movement. Um, but fast forward to like my sophomore year, I decided to, it, I don't think it was a conscious effort to lose weight. It was just moving like I always did. But that that summer of being 16, I was like, I'm going to do extra. So I'm going to eat less. I'm going to move more. You know, all the things that they they tell you to do. Um, I actually had this this time um, where I felt like I I kind of I kind of got to this place where because um, I I did use use food as a comfort. I think I used it like this, this little girl me that in that book that I wrote, the little girl me used food to cope. Um, so there is that even, even, be, but, but I still also was in a bigger body before that happened even. So there's, you know, those two dynamics of things happening. And, um, but that summer I took on jogging. Um, and I started, and, and this is in the East Coast, humid, hot, hot summer where you can um, look down the street and, and see heat waves, you know, like it's, it would be hot. Like I get up at like five or five 30 in the morning and it's already hot, but I would go jogging to try to beat, you know, cause I'm, I'm, so I just went through a lot. Uh, I ended up doing a thing diet culture got me um and when i went back home here's here's what happened i i think that summer because i was weighing myself um and i lost it i had lost about 30 pounds it's crazy to talk about this this way because i as a body trust provider i don't really i don't i don't live that way it feels weird, but I remember I lost 30 pounds and I came back home and everybody was like, oh, look at Angie. Oh, she's so, oh, I became like the boys that never wanted to talk to me. This was my senior year in high school now. 
I'm getting asked out on dates now. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seen. I was seen in a way that I'd never been seen before. I'm like, it's still me, the same person, the same. I was playing a flute before um, I lost the weight. I was playing the flute after I lost the weight. Like it was still the same me, the same writing poetry me, the same writing bike me, the, you know, the same, I love God, always have loved God. Um, the same faith, you know, woman of faith, me, or young, I guess I was a teen then. But I got, that is when I knew, that's when my body knew, like, I just, I this acceptance, I'd never had that in society before. And it was everywhere. It was at church. It was at school. It was my friend circle. It was my family. It was neighbors. It was people who didn't even really know me, but, oh, look at you. Like they, even people who were not like super close, but they see me around the way, around the neighborhood. Like, you know, I got all this, um, all this praise. So that was, that was something. That was something I'd never felt. Now, I will say that there was a season between that year of being 16 um, and I began, I was kind of coming into myself. So I, I, I learned that I didn't have to, my coping mechanisms kind of changed a little, shifted to where I wasn't using food as much um, to cope. Um, and not saying that using food is bad to cope. I'm just saying this is what my experience was where I wasn't, I, I was, um, I was turning to movement a lot, but some of that movement was, um, it was not always good for me. You know what I mean? Like there were, I remember times where I felt like, well, I gotta, I gotta keep the thing. I gotta keep it up now. I think it was like what my aunt was doing to not be fat. Like now this is what I have to do because I, I need to, I want to be accepted. Like I want, I like this feeling of being accepted. I like being asked out on, on all these different dates and this one calling and that one calling. I liked it, you know? Um, and so I think that, that went on. I actually, I don't have a, I don't remember making a conscious choice of like, I wasn't dieting. Uh, during that period, I was just, I was younger. Um, but I do remember kind of maintaining where I was. Oh, I went to college. So when I went to college, um, I, I maintained that throughout that school year. I, I didn't like lose it and gain it. Like, you know, it wasn't like a yo-yo thing because I really wasn't dieting. Um, and I think my life just started to balance out. But then I went to college. I went to Howard University in Washington, D.C., and I joined the marching band. Now, I don't know what you know about the Black. Have you ever seen a Black marching band? I actually lived in Georgia for a little while. I'm, I'm quite familiar. <laughs> you know. I was in marching band. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a marching band in Oregon. My first marching band I was in was in seventh grade. But it was way different from being in a historically Black university marching band that kind of marching it's like we're moving we're dancing we're you know it's like it's a whole sport it's a I sport mean, <laughs> it's a sport yeah it yes is. 
<laughs> it is a sport. So, um, so I, when I went to college, I, I still always saw myself as fat, even when, and I've heard this a lot over the decades, even though my body presented differently, I couldn't really tell the difference so much. Um, and when I went to college, it, it was a, it was a, it was a different experience from, um, you know, I was in this place where people looked at me and they thought I was pretty or they thought I was beautiful. They didn't think I was fat. I still in my head knew I was fat. Like it was, this is, this is what I am. This is what I've always been. So this is probably what I'll always be. I mean, in my head, there was not a, a, a shift, but being a marching band, I actually, my body even got a little bit smaller because of the sport um, of it. But um, where I, where I kind of averaged out at back then from that, um, oh, it's hard to talk about this, um, but my body presented from, a, you know, the, I guess an average, what they, what I was told was an average size back then was like a 12 a 10, 12. So that's kind of where, where I was. Um, but I was also really hungry. And like when I was in college, I ate once a day and it wasn't because I wanted to eat once a day. Most of the time it was sometimes twice a day, but it was because we were poor. We didn't, I didn't have a lot of money and, um, you know, I didn't, my father wasn't doing, I mean, doing the best Financially, that was one of his hardest times financially. And my mom was, you know, on, um, like she was ill and, and receiving assistance with like food stamps and stuff like that. And so I, you know, it was like, we just didn't have a lot. So whatever I had, I had to be, I was like stretching, stretching, you know, I'd shop for groceries on $20 for the week and, you know, I just remember those days. So part of my body presenting even smaller was because I wasn't eating as I wasn't as nourished as I needed to be. And I was moving, which we would call that over exercising. Um, but, I, but I don't know if I would call it over exercising because it wasn't my intention. It was just like you said, it was a sport. It was a very active sport during, and we started in the summer. So August is when, you know, we're doing three, three hour a day rehearsals. Um, yeah. So, and my body kind of hung out in that, in that space, um, back up to where that average weight, uh, you know, size was before I did, um, marching band until I had my first child. So that was when things began to, after I got married, um, and then about, I don't know, a year and a month or so after, um, I got married, I had my first child. Um, and that was when things began to shift, but I still wasn't a dieter. I mean, but my body began to change naturally just from childbirth. And so I just noticed that I have three children and with each child, I see that, you know, through over the years, it's like, there's a little bit of shift in my body. I, I gained weight and then that's where it was. And I hung out there and then I had the next child. And, you know, so it just, it, it's been like this gradual, um, shift for me. Um, 
and I did try to diet in between here and there. I was constantly told by my doctors that I was that I was told that I was obese. Um, and so I would try, you know, I was prescribed uh, to work with a nutritionist or referred out to work with a nutritionist. Um, as I got into my 40s, this is when I was kind of over it. And I and and I never was like a, you know, I wasn't, I, I didn't diet a lot. Like it would be more like, okay, I'll try. Or it was always pressure from other people. Like my friends would be like, girl, you want to do this thing? Or, oh, Oprah started the spa girls. Let's try spa girls. So then we did the spa girls or, you know, it's like, it always would be like some kind of pull from friends. Let's try this. Let's do this. Um, and I would try and, but I can never continue it. But it was like, it's, it's too much. It's too much to think about to try to, like, I'm, I'm trying to just live my life. And I think that's when I got up to the forties where I would be like, okay, this is how my body is. But I, but I still didn't want to be fat. Um, I just was beginning to accept that this is how it is. Um, yeah, that, that started happening, I think in my late forties. Yeah. And then I love that you're a body trust provider. That's such a great, great program that's offered by it was it's Hillary and, um, Who's the other person? Hillary and Dana. Yeah. A number of guests that I've had on have been certified by Body Trust and use that work in their coaching or in their therapy work. It's it's on. I have a long list of things I want to do. It is on that list. Um, how did you, so, you know, so going from kind of like, all right, this is just how my body is. How did you then, like, what's that process of shifting to the point where you know, you go and you get certified in this modality that is all about, you know, body acceptance. So before I came to Body Trust, I had, um, I had um, PTSD. And whenever I, and this is all really self-diagnosed, even though I discovered that it was on my chart since 1989, it was on my chart, but I never got any treatment my doctors didn't talk to me they about never it talk to you about something no like I, PTSD? I pulled my own medical records and have been just doing my own research um but 1989 it was and what happened in 1989 is my my uncle passed away and the and it was so traumatic for me because he was the closest person this is he's the reason why we moved to this you know to this area and it was so hard for me that every time I would drive by his house, drive by the street, I would start crying. Like I'd have this, these visceral, like. Yeah. Body response. Yeah. Body responses. And, um, which I just, people was like, oh, she's just grieving really hard. It's like grief. But no, that went back to that PTSD, which really happened when I was abused as a three and four year old. Um, but, but it just didn't. So, so by this time, um, I, I have PTSD, but I didn't, I didn't fully know. And I went through something that, that triggered trauma. And for me, when I go, when I get into the trauma, then that's when I'm, I'm really going to be using food. Like this is, 
uh, and I, and so I was at this place where I knew I was using food in an unhealthy way. It wasn't just nourishing myself or eating or and celebrating. It was, I am in a really bad headspace and all I can do is, is grab food like to, and it, and it felt very much almost like a, it felt like an addiction. So I looked for help. Um, I, the help that my doctors recommended wasn't like seeing a nutritionist, like, no, like I'm having a hard, like, like I'm in this triggered place, this heightened anxiety heightened. And so I, um, I found, um, 12 step programs. So I would, so there are two, there are two main programs that I went to, and I won't mention the names, but we know they're out there. Um, and when I first went there, I thought, oh, this is, this is the place. This is going to fix me. This is going to help me because I felt like I needed fixing. This is going to fix me. So, um, and what it, what actually happened in the, in those spaces, and it wasn't all bad. There are some elements of the 12 step program. I will say that I think are really rich, like the community like that you can do it for free. Like if you don't have money, you can still go. But there are some really damaging fat phobic things that were happening in that space. So I actually believe I developed a disorder from being in those spaces. Like I- I've heard that before actually. Yeah, it was like, I never felt like I had a disorder before then. Um, and so I, I, I got to this place where I felt like I really need help. And so I called and um, I, I think it's some kind of a triage that I, I was talking to about, like, I really, really need help. And I and I tried times in the past, I tried multiple times in the past saying, I need help. But it, and they would say, oh, well, they'd look at me and be like, no, you don't need help. Because I, I think the the typical thing for my community was I mean for people not from my community because it wasn't black folks it was the the dominant white practitioners saying well you're not anorexic or you're not um oh you're not you're not bulimic like I didn't fit anything binge eating dis disorder had not it wasn't a thing yet um and so but but when I got to this point it was it was starting to be recognized so they, she asked me a question. She said, um, she was like, are you suicidal? Like, do you have any thoughts of taking your life? And I was like, well, I feel like I'm, I'm harming myself a bite at a time. Or there was something that I said that made her think, okay, let me try to get her some help. So I ended up going to a, that was the first time I got accepted to a treatment place for eating disorders. It was outpatient. My my insurance approved it, so I was able to go. Um, it was like a Monday through Friday, um, again day treatment. I was the only black woman there. Um, it did not fit for me really, but there were things that were healing about being in that space, and um, and there was a black director of that of that of that program, which was really cool. Um, and she did my intake. Um, but what happened is when I began to feel like, okay, in my head, like, you know, how I was feeling like this trigger, this trauma trigger that I had 
took me to such an unhealthy place that I am now using food. I talk about in my poem, um, I woke up like that, um, talk about trauma and using food as dope. That can be a real thing. Um, it can be a real thing. It's not that, it's not something that all fat people do, but um, it was my experience at that time. And I got to a point where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to be afraid of food. The 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 12-step program had me, they asked me, do you have fear foods? I'm like, what is a, I'm not afraid of food. But actually the 12-step program had, I had developed a fear of food because they said no flour and sugar. I never did that. And I never had a issue with flour and sugar or any particular food. Um, and not that wasn't put on me by the doctors or, you know, the diet culture or whatever. I didn't have that. My mom never said, girl, you better not eat too much flour and sugar. That was not a thing. But from the 12 step program that had become a thing. So here I am now. I went to, it was Montanito was the treatment center. Um, and I began to heal. This was by about week three. I, I began to, they, 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 um, one of the books they gave me to read was, um, health at every size. I got that book, went through it in like a day. I just like, I just read through the whole book within a day or less than two days. Then I was also introduced to intuitive eating. Also read through that. And even though all those things about those, those modalities, they, they may not all speak to me as a, as a black woman, but it was something like, it was something powerful about hearing that you can be okay at any size. Like there was nothing out there that I had ever heard that said that before. N not in, you know, I, I was always told that I needed to be trying not to be fat. So as long as I was trying not to be fat, I was okay. So um, what ended up happening in that program is my insurance, I began to gain weight because they had to weigh me on a weekly basis. And so by uh, apparently by week three or week four, where I'm feeling better and I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I can eat a sandwich now. I can eat, you know, cause I'm not doing the dieting thing. I'm not doing the, all the restricting, which is what the 12 step program was teaching me how to restrict, um, which is what a diet does, <laughs> you know? So, when I got to this place where I was starting to experience freedom, they dropped me like a hot potato. And the only, they dropped me, girl, they dropped me. And my only, by, by saving grace from that was they told me I had to find um, um, outpatient clinic or, you know, like a, a dietitian or someone to work with a nutritionist. Um, no, therapist, not a, not a nutritionist or a dietitian, excuse me, that was that was wrong. To, I was to find an outpatient um, therapist so that I can continue my treatment. And I found what was then Be Nourished. So, and they were like so close to me. Like I could walk there like within less than two miles from where I lived. So I started, uh, I was kicked out of the program. I did not feel good about that because I knew that I needed more work. Um, I just want to say, I just for people listening, like it's actually, this is one of the challenges with eating disorder treatment is that it's not what happened to you being kicked. You're 
in treatment for eating disorder, your weight starts to fluctuate and you get kicked out. Like that's actually not unusual. And I just want to like underscore like how fucked up that is because it really is. It's like, but, but I'm here to heal my relationship with my body, with food, with how I am in the world. There are going to be body changes. And the fact that that's what triggers an insurance company to drop is criminal. It's criminal. It really, and, and that, and it still happens. It still happens. And I mean, that wasn't that long ago for me. So this is right. This is, this is a 2017. Oh yeah. 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 So, so I, I felt that was a hard thing because as soon as I start feeling good up here in my head, my mental health is like, Oh, I'm, I'm feeling good. And I wasn't worried about my weight um, that they dropped me. And so I found be nourished. And I started, but when I found Be Nourished, I found their website. I started working with someone. So all of the therapists and the people who work with um, Be Nourished had to be folks that were, um, you know, haze informed, fat positive, all body positive, like, like careful. I mean, they were accepting of the LP, LGBTQIA plus community. They were, um, they were aware of intersectionality. Like they just had this, Dana and Hillary had this awareness that I had never experienced. These two white women, <laughs> they actually, um, that was where my healing began to begin to really um, go deeper. Um, and that's when I got into body trust. So I was I was going there for therapy to to they they weren't my therapist, but um, well early on I actually did work with um, with Hillary, but it was you know me now on my own doing my own healing and they they ended up having a retreat. It was like a body trust retreat. So I'm doing this work. My therapist also was. Um, I, I was doing trauma therapy. I didn't even know that trauma therapy was a thing. So that was another that was another good thing that I learned in um, eating disorder treatment. That you had some one of the one of my peers used the word trauma therapy, and I was like, "What is trauma therapy?" Um, and it turns out that's a, I needed me some trauma therapy, you know. Um, and yeah, so so that was a good thing that came out of that, and I, that's when I began to work with body trust. When I did that body trust retreat, again, I'm the only black woman in the room. Um, but here was the thing, not only did they begin to uh, unpack all of this, of, of what so many of us experience with weight stigma, and but they also said, um, they said, and Angela here in the room, as a black woman, you're not only dealing with fatness, but you're dealing with um, those two intersections of being a woman and being um, fat, but now you also are dealing with being um, black, and they and they begin to talk about intersectionality. I didn't first hear about intersectionality from um, Kimberly, who actually coined that phrase, Crenshaw. I first heard about it from two white women in Portland, Oregon, at a body <laughs> trust retreat. You know. I'm so glad that's where you ended up. So I guess it's okay your insurance dropped you. I love that it landed you where you needed to be. Because I would have continued in order to be 
for them not to drop me, I would have needed to be dieting and dieting in eating disorder treatment. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Which is, yeah. So it's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But that began this, this amazing experience. And it resonated with me because when I was 16, when I first started going through that, like trying not to be fat, um, there's something that happened to me that um, where I got this, I got to this place of kind of being okay with where, with who I was to a certain extent. It wasn't to this extent that I am now in my late fifties, but there was, there was, I experienced this kind of um, balance with with food that I had that I didn't really think I had before then there was a balance there was over activity with my body physically but um I began to get to this place of balance but but then being if you live in this world <laughs> if you if you go outside if you see a tv ad like even when you're okay with yourself you know here comes somebody saying oh girl you're too fat or oh you know it's like and it's the people that's closest to you sometimes. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, oftentimes. Yeah. Yeah. That undoes the the doing that, you know, it the being me, me feeling okay, it like unravels that like, oh, well, maybe I'm not okay. Oh, well, maybe, you know. Um, that's a very relatable feeling. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm really curious about how you said you you used to think in poetry, like poetry has always been a part of your life. Yeah. How has poetry been on this journey with you? Poetry has helped me in so many ways. Um, it's helped me to express the things that I can share with someone that like, if I say, well, I don't want to diet anymore. Girl, what you mean you want to diet? Like you fat, you got to diet like this. You know, a person may not hear me just saying the words, but when I put it in a poem, I don't know, there's something, there's, there's something different. Like it, it goes deeper. And I think it causes people to think a little bit more after, after the first year of, doing body trust work, doing trauma therapy. Um, I still kind of at times would have those trauma triggers because I mean, look, I'm a black woman. I live in the United States of America. Um, there's, I have children. Um, we used to live blocks from the Northeast police precinct. So there were, there were trauma triggers happening all the time, all around me. Um, and they still are to the, to this day, but I begin to um, I begin to have to get some roots in my body trust work. I begin to get some roots in my self care and self preservation, and and I begin to come into my ownness, into my meanness, into this is who Angela is. It's not I'm not I'm this I'm this beautiful um, pie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm this beautiful pie, like this beautiful dessert. And there's a big slice of pie that is body trust. There's a big slice of it that is my faith. There's a big part of it that is my creativity and poetry. And so poetry is 
is like a it's 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 who I am. I remember I wrote this. I'm looking on here to see if I I wrote this poem called I, I Woke Up Like That. It was after um after a yeah, it was about a year. And I went on a no, this is even before the this is before I went on the hike. The hike is where I wrote she, uh, she Majestic Tree. Uh, two of my poems are in um, the body tr- in um, oh, Reclaiming Body Trust. Mm-hmm. Um, Reclaiming Body Trust, A Path to Healing and Liberation. Um, I, I got to share two or I think two of my poems. One is I Woke Up Like That. I think that was when that is like my mantra. That is like my that I don't know that was that was when a big shift happened and I penned it it's a really short poem I can share it with you if you yeah, like please please it's just yeah. a, it's a super short um I woke up like that I don't know if I want to be fat right now but I woke up like that so how in this world do I cope with trauma using food as dope diet fads and societal drama expending hope choked up judged by my chocolate skin tone locked up sentenced as unworthy crowded and alone journeying home to myself my fabulousness my beauty my uniqueness, my truthness, my surviving no matter what happensness, my being fearfully and wonderfully madeness. By transforming grace, my greatness resounds, confounding, oblivious, ignorant, non-supporters of abundance and fatness and melanin and girls. Loving and accepting me just as I am female unveiled with my round curvy shell fat and black yes I woke up like that (laughs) Angela I have tears that was so beautiful I love how it started so claustrophobic that's when my tears started because I could feel the claustrophobic tightness, the choke, the, oh my God. And then, and then where you took it was stunning. Oh, I'm so glad we got to hear that. That was my change. That was the transformation. And and it's so crazy that as I'm reading that, I'm feeling chills because I now embrace this. I embrace this body. I love this body. I have more life in this body um yeah like i my fatness there's like there's abundance here this is i am abundant yes in in size but in spirit and in love and in creativity and in in me like yeah there's so i so i began to come to life because that was the poem that was when the shift happened i woke up like that I love how you go, you have a record of that shift, like, and you wrote it. I mean, it's so beautiful. I love the line about 
the lifting of the veil, because that's often what it feels like. Suddenly when you see, I know with my own journey, not only with diet culture, but also misogyny, racism, ableism, health, everything, it feels like suddenly a veil is lifted and I'm looking out at this world going, what the hell is going on? And why is everyone not seeing what I'm seeing? So yes, they're not seeing what you're seeing. And then I'm not seeing because I'm I'm wearing, I'm wearing the veil. I'm trying not to be fat. I'm trying not to be too black. Oh, am I too black? Like, you know, because it's, it's because of this, you know, we talked about pronouns earlier. So I'm gonna bring that in right here. Um, I was going to a, uh, it was a join. It was a, something that Anna Chapman, who's one of my, um, sheroes in the fat community, we used to work at Be Nourished. So that's where I met her and did some work with her. And and one time I was going to be one of the fat models. I was like, look at me up here in my 50s going to be a fat model at a movement. I get to go and move and and they're paying me and giving me some free shoes. Like it was it was amazing. But one of the one of those times where I went to do that work with um with Anna, I I wish I could remember the name um, of the woman who um, we were doing uh, pronouns, um, and that's where I first heard the pronoun her she, and and I was like, what is that? She was like, her she. Um, I don't like to say like you know because of the melanin, and I was like, yes, and I'm even more chocolate, so I'm embracing. Oh, like Hershey chocolate. Oh. Uh- isn't that like poetry all by itself I love that so So when you see my email when you see things that um, even uh, the Center for Body Trust formerly known as Be Nourished when you see things that they put out about me you will see her she because those are the you know that's how and and on my email you'll even see a little chocolate bar a little piece of chocolate yeah that's me (laughs) I love that we're all now in on this little like not a joke, but like we're we're in on the no. On the no. But 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 trying not to be who I am. Like I'm in this very white region. Um and it's like don't act too black or don't, you know, don't show too much of yourself or too much of your culture because then you're not gonna be accepted. Don't be too fat or don't be, you know, it's like all of the all of the things. It's like this veil is lifted. And so not now I'm saying, see me, this is who I am. And, but I am also seeing like, this is how the world is. It's not my stuff. This is the, this is, this is white supremacy trying to get all of us to be a certain way, to look a certain way. It's not my stuff. So now I can see better. When I lift that veil, I'm not only seeing, they're seeing me, but I'm also seeing better. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the risk of doing that too. You know, you're in, like you said, you're surrounded, it's very white where you live. You're black, you're fat, you're a woman. We know that fat black women get treated the pretty much the worst, you know, in terms, if you actually like, like from healthcare providers, from like just from all the systems that are in place and- mm-hmm. And if you add being lesbian or, or trans or, you know, all the intersections that you, you know, people in my community that, um, it, it just adds on the, 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 the forms of this, um, discrimination. 
Um, I have disabilities. That's something, that's another thing that I deal with. But yeah, that's the hardness of that, even in the church, um, for, cause a lot of diet culture comes, has come to me through the church. Cause that's why I hung, I, that's why I hang out a lot at, at the, you know, in the church. Um, even within my relationship, it was like, you know, when I first began to come to this place where I'm not going to diet anymore. I'm not, my husband's like, you sure? Are you sure about that? Like, is that like, I remember at one point wondering if my marriage could survive my liberation. Yes. Again, that's a real thing. I wondered if my marriage. Yeah. I had one marriage that didn't. Yeah. And I know folks that I've been in this journey with that they are divorced because, uh, I mean, I mean, I've heard people that their bodies were not even in a big, you know, in a big, I'm, I'm, I'm considered mid fat. Their bodies were not even small fat. And they, you know, I know of someone who's, husband left her because she gained 25 pounds and she still wasn't fat. I'm like, that's crazy to me. It's unreal. I, yeah, yeah. But, but to be boldly fat and to be saying, um, yeah, this is how, this is, this is what it is. Um, and I'm not going to diet anymore. I'm, I'm done with that. It's bold. Courage, courage. Yeah. And absolutely, it's risky for sure. I think that's why I'm so, I'm so drawn to the phrase that you use, abundant fatness. Like there's something so in your face about it. It's, it almost, it feels like such a counter. I hate the phrase glorifying obesity as if that is even a thing. But like, this feels like such a counter energy to that. Abundant fatness. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think some years into my journey, because um, even when I wrote, I woke up like that, there was still conflict, you know, uh, even there's this, there's this, there's this transformation. I, you know what, it goes back and I, I, I want to reference this book that I read as a, when I was teaching middle school, I had my, my students read this book called Piecing, uh, shoot, is it Piecing Me Together? Um, it's by Renee Watson, who is a really famous author. When is she, the community here knows her. She's world renowned. Um, but I think it's called Piecing Me Together. And Renee, if I get it wrong, please forgive me. Um, but she talks about the shattering that happens to black women when you like you when you come home, like you're with mama, you're with your family, you feel good, you feel and then you go out into the world and then the shattering happens again. And so that's how I feel like that, like that really resonated with me when I read that as a, a grown woman reading that it was like she penned what I felt like happens to me every time I go out or join a Zoom meeting of fat phobic folks or, you know, uh, it's it's always there and after kind of going through this journey um some years into it i begin to feel like more acceptance and and i have this poem called rooted in me and my roots run deep and as as i begin to root into myself and 
I'm rooting them and I'm standing up, you know, I'm tall, I'm more um, emboldened into this, into being me. Um, Abundant fatness is, is a poem that I wrote. And, And you know how sometimes the poem, the title comes after you as a poet, like, you know, like, well, I just begin to write this poem um, because it's the experience. I go to the doctor's office. Okay, my toe is hurting. Well, you're fat, you know, and you need to lose weight. And then your toe will feel, oh, well, my fingernail, my pinky is hurting. Well, you're fat. And it's, it's it was like, and so I began to write about this. Like, I don't, I'm not accepting this anymore. Like now I'm having some education I've been in the fat positive community. I've been in the body trust community. I've, you know, I'm, I'm learning more about this, the movement of, of fatness. I didn't even know it existed that, um, that black folks started years ago. Um, so I began to learn more about that. And then, then I began to like really embrace my abundance. And, and then I, I wrote, I ended up writing this poem called Abundant Fatness. And the title came, the, the title came later. So I can share that poem at, you know, before we leave here today, whenever, but yeah, it's, a, it's, there's what, what I realized is that when I was at the, that place of, of, of joy, it's, um, it's, there's an abundance that comes out of that, that, that acceptance, that love, that, knowing if there's a knowing that I am just as good as the next person, not better, not worse, but just as good, just as worthy, just as abundant as the next. Like I believe abundance, I believe abundance is in all of us, but the fatness is like, it's almost like a slap in the face to those that say their thinness is supreme. Yes. Yeah, like, no, there's abundance in my fatness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how upset, furious, angry people get when they see, hear fat people living in their abundance. It's it's why I created the podcast. I was like, I want people to hear stories of amazing fat people living in this world and thriving, despite all the reasons why we should never want to leave our homes. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Like I recently, um, on my Abundant Fatness um, Instagram page, I had a Facebook one, but it was like, I'm not on Facebook that much, so I don't need to take up space there more. So I got rid of the Facebook page, but I keep the Instagram abundant fatness, but I'm always having to go on there and block people. Like I don't, I don't, it, I don't, it is not my job to have to educate everyone or have to, um, this is my own sacred space. And so now I made that a private page. Like you have to go through me. You don't even just to get, get to, view my poems or view my body or whatever pictures I post of myself. Sometimes I do post pictures of myself showing more skin um, because my body is worthy and my body. And it's, and it's, and that is the reason it's, it's like, it's a liberation of the skin I'm in is, is, is beautiful and it's worthy. But now people have to go through me 
it's not a public page anymore because the public does not um they don't take care of the public doesn't take care of me and and i don't and i don't i'm not trying to i i don't know it, in my preserving myself i just it's like that's energy i don't need yeah i just recently did that i just and i went on and i took people off it's like yeah i don't really want to be in community with them yeah that's it's so empowering to do that i it's 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 interesting how and I think this is true for lots of different activist types, not just fat activists, but there's always a point where we kind of have to, I think, I think I'll speak for myself. I feel like there's, there's a point where we have to figure out how we want to handle trolls. <laughs> and I've interviewed some people like comedian, uh, Cara McBee, who like engages them and is really loves like going back at them. And I, and for me, I'm, I'm, a am a, you don't get to take up space on my feed, delete, delete, delete. So I will spend, I'll spend an hour deleting because of the sacredness of my space. And these social, especially YouTube, I find get, I get a lot of vile stuff on YouTube. Fortunately, they have a great like alert mechanism and it's so easy. I can just delete, delete, delete. And, and that's like, how dare they come into my space? You know, like I didn't ask you to come here. Like you came to me just to be negative like no go away yeah yeah go away and every time i do it it feels so good i'm like ha the fat woman wins <laughs> you don't get to come on my page you don't get to come on my page and be a troll like yeah i i'm with that every now and then i have a um a conversation of that feels more like there's some learning here like this is not just someone calling me fat they're wondering why i'm okay with my fatness i might leave a conversation like that there because now there's some dialogue that people may be able to read and learn from but yeah for the most part i'm like you delete 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 if there's curiosity and openness i'm happy to engage in conversation but i yeah i i find the majority of people i interact with not only just online but like my doctors I'll say something. And if they're, if I, if they feel open to having a conversation, then I'm, I'm like, I'll share information. I have so many things I can share with you, but I have, I will say I have not met a doctor yet who has taken me up on that. <laughs> they're not that interested. Oh my goodness. I, I have a couple of doctors. Um, I, my, my current primary care doctor is a black woman from DC. I'm really blessed. Um, and she's very, um, she has never said anything about my weight, not one time. Well, and anti-fatness is rooted in racism. I mean, I it's it's like, I don't know, again, this lifting of the veil. Like once I learned that, I was like, oh, of course. And it just makes so much sense. And so, yeah, there's just, oh, there's so many layers, Angela. I feel like I want to have you back to talk about so many more things. Yep, you just say when. Awesome. Yay. Um <laughs> but I'm really curious about your thoughts on joy. So I always end the podcast by asking each guest kind of how do you stay connected to joy? How do you turn towards joy? I'm going to shift it a little bit for you because I'm actually I'm curious about like your philosophy on joy. And I'm curious if there's a tie into faith for you. Absolutely. There's a tie in for faith. Um and also to just my heritage, just my culture. Um, I 
when I am on social media, I recently started a full-time job. So I've been on social media a lot less and I've just been choosing to um, do things differently. But on Fridays, I like to do, um, I'll talk about Black Joy Friday, just like this is a day to just celebrate instead of, thank God it's Friday. I'm like, it's, the, it's Black Joy Friday. Oh, I love that. Can I do Fat Joy Friday? Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, well, sit with it, sit with it. Cause you know, sometimes there's, you. I, I wouldn't jump into it too much, too fast because you, just to be careful to not be appropriating or, you know what I'm saying? Um, um, but tapping into my black joy, um, ha- I've been very intentional about that. And because other black people were intentional about that and they spread that joy with me that way. Like, so there's joy, there's, there's that, there's like being intentional about knowing that I am a target because of what I look like, knowing that even in the house that I, that I live in right now, that my husband and I um, just purchased a year ago, right before we moved into this house, there were some racist people that came around and they saw us out measuring um, and they revved their trucks and revved their trucks and revved their trucks to let us know that they do not want us here, that we are not welcome here. Um, so as a, as it being in this skin, there's just going outside. Like I have to wonder, are those people, are those people that are really angry about us being in their neighborhood? Are they gonna try to do, you know, do harmful things? Like there was a time where I had anxiety about that. I didn't even want to live here after that happened. We had already signed the paperwork that, you know, we were at the, like, here we are moving into our dream home. And I was like, I don't want to live there because the racists know where we live. It's one thing to have to deal with racists on a daily basis, but when they know where you live, you don't want to deal with that. But um, back to your question, um, tapping back into that joy actually helped me deal with even that anxiety. Tapping into that joy, there's, um, in my faith, we often talk about the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if I can think about the goodness of God and the goodness of Jesus and all that God has done for me, then I, there's a, there's an old saying in the church, in the black church uh, specifically, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. Like I can tap into that joy that my grandmama had, that joy and my great grandmama had that joy all rooted in our faith. I can, I can tap into that. I can tap into the joy of abundant fatness now, because now it's like, I get to be this. I'm not a one. None of us are one dimensional. I I get to be this multidimensional person where I have my faith. I have my creativity. You know, even a lot of times when I'm talking, I'm sitting here knitting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I get to tap into the poetry, the, just all the layers of, of, of who I am. And, and that gives me abundance. That gives me joy. Yeah. So, so beautiful, Angela. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, this has been wonderful. And I would, if you would love, if you would be interested in blessing us with another poem, I would love to hear another one from you. 
Okay, I will share abundant fatness and um and this poem can be it's it's I turned this poem into a book. It's a little um ebook. I only it's seven dollars and um US dollars, but in the book I share like some pictures of me doing this. I did some a photo shoot with a photographer just being seen, showing skin and different pictures, you know. Um, so, um, abundant fatness. This is, this is where I live today. So many look at me and the first thing they see is my blackness, my fatness, my so-called obesity, diet culture's simplicity anchored in lies rather than facts-based research from health at every size. I will not compromise my body nor my soul. No nips and no tucks. I refuse to give up my multiple belly rolls, nor any part of my body to please or appease society and its trolls. Finally, whole I feast. My appetites are valid from greatest to least. Sometimes too full, sometimes incomplete. No more longing for food that's hearty and sweet. I eat from earth, trees, oceans and seas, animals, factories, and honeybees. Child, I eat whatever I want, whatever I please. For taste, for comfort, or simply to be nourished. I eat whenever I'm hungry, and right now I'm hungry for righteousness, for rightness, for communion with like-minded, trading my crown, my crown of like whiteness, for royalty crowned with coiled truth, spiraling traumas from my youth. I am courageously aging from princess to queen, taking up space ready to be seen while dealing with feelings and finally healing. From lie perms and straight up lies to chocolate covered melanin rooted in peace. No more numbing to disguise, my shackles released. I am up for the stoic task of removing generational mask while putting on metabolic fit fitness, making joyful moves walking in the spirit. I am perplexed and vexed by your body mass index, which doesn't measure discrimination nor my intersections of stress. I don't accept my body being called obese. I'm a divinely created complex beast with modified and enlightened set points, a spirit walking and body joint. Any lesser version of me pales to my colorful vibrancy, immeasurable by the scales. Devices can only measure small fractions of me. I'm so much more than mere eyes can see. Covered by grace, limitless love from above abides within. I am somewhat holy with a plethora of sin. Getting to know me through real life I pen my universe of words and verse, stating where I've been, finding love, peace, and acceptance for this body I'm in. I am 
largely peculiar, marginally unruly, trying to walk in step with the truth, be the true me. I wonder if folks who look at me see the true me. You have to look deeply and much more discreetly to see my abundant, big fatness of free child. <laughs> oh my gosh, Angela, that poem is delicious. Oh my God, the wordplay and the phrase choices, the alliteration. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, the, another thing that happens as you get older, I'm leaning into 60, is I snap for myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud myself. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been such a gift. Thank you. I am so honored that we got to hear two poems read by you. We got to witness so much of your journey. I just I feel so honored, Angela. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me today. My hope is that you're feeling a little less alone and a little more seen. So until the next episode, you can find me on Instagram at fatjoy.life, on YouTube at youtube.com slash at fatjoy, and on Patreon at patreon.com slash fatjoy. Please do check out the show notes for how you can connect with my amazing guest and for the links to the poem. All right, lovely. I am sending you off with my best wishes for an abundantly fat joy day, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.